Okay, well, if this is your first week, we are in the last chapter of the whole Bible. So next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about um, because we're done. Um, now we've, we've been going through the book of Revelation. And, um, and so we're, uh, we're in Revelation 22. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll circle back around and, and uh, pick something else. But anyway, let me open the word of prayer and then we'll get going. Lord, thanks for this morning. Our time together, uh, Tim, for his message for the church. Thank you uh, that uh, you called each of us into the body of Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be faithful to your spirit. Uh, guide our time this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Um, Revelation 22. Okay. So, um, yesterday, uh, Thursday night, all day Friday, and all day Saturday, I was teaching the beginning of the story. Okay, we're teaching Genesis. Um, and um, so what I told them is stories, I, re I reminded them, I said, you know, they're paying a bunch of money for, for the obvious, right? Uh, stories begin at the beginning. beginning, and they go to the end. There you go. In the middle... Connects the beginning to the end. You can come to seminary and pay big bucks, and that's about as good as it gets. <laughs> Stories begin at the beginning, they go to the end, and the middle connects the beginning to the end. Okay? In other words, when you're reading in the middle, you have to ask yourself, how is this moving the story along? How is this moving uh, this plan along towards the culmination of the plan, the new heavens and new earth? Okay? So, um, so this is the end of the story. Now, um, if you were to pick up any book and just turn to the last chapter, the last section, you know, the last little part of the end of the story, um, you could probably make sense of some of it, but not uh, not much of it. Okay? You wouldn't know what the problem was, what the what the storyline was, um, and so a lot of the imagery, a lot of the language has already been established, explained in the story. Okay. But with that in mind, let's look at the Revelation chapter 22. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, and he showed me a river of life, uh, a river of water of life, um, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and the Lamb. Okay, now, Remember I told you, if we if we start at the end, every verse, we're going to have to go back and go out well. So I want to do that a little bit, just to show you kind of how this works, okay? Uh, water, living water. Um, this is going to go all the way back to Genesis, okay? Um, of course, you've got the, the water flowing out of the Garden of Eden, but... Um, but in I, with Isaac, remember the Isaac digging wells, Abraham dug a well, Isaac dug a well, everywhere they went, living water came forth. Um, but when the Gentiles came in behind them, the water would stop. And then Isaac would dig a well and living water would come forth. And, um, um, and they'd roll away the rock and living water would come forth. You know, and so the imagery of the rock is already being established. The imagery of Living water is already being established. 
Uh, and then in chapter 28, you remember um, uh, Jacob uh, and his dream, um, uh, Jacob's ladder, and he has this dream with his head on the rock. And he wakes up in the morning after he's had this dream that the nations would be blessed through him. Uh, we're about to see the, the ultimate removal of all the curses through this through this seed, this one that would come forth from him, this king. And so he wakes up, and it's translated. He um, how, how do they translate that? Uh, did something. <laughs> he woke up and did something. Thank you for that. Um, uh, this is in uh, chapter uh, 28, verse uh, 18. How they translate? He uh, he poured oil on its top. Is how they translate that. Um, uh, he mashak mashak is to annoy. That's uh, where we get Messiah. He messiah poured out oil on anointed messiah the head of the rock the rosh the top the head of the rock the word there is rosh head he anoints the head of the rock okay? and so the rock imagery is being established the the water flowing forth from him uh in numbers chapter 24 do you remember uh, uh the story of uh the samaritan woman jesus with the samaritan woman at the well remember this whole discussion right uh, so, so uh, this is the Samaritan at the well. <clears throat> um, you're not greater than our uh, father, are you, who gave us this well? Um, he asked her for a drink. Do you remember, remember she says, uh, you know, how are you, being a Jew, asked me for uh, a drink? He says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water, living water. Um, and so they're at this well, talking about living water. Um, she says, we know that Messiah is coming. And then um, here's, um, here's the verse. It's in Numbers chapter 24. This is the, uh, third, uh, uh, the third oracle of Balaam. Balaam is a prophet hired by Balak the king. So we've got the Gentile king, unbelieving king, you know, he's kind of on team Satan, right? Hires Balaam the prophet, uh, the prophet for hire, um, to curse Israel. And what we're realizing it's is that the Lord is not going to curse Israel because he has determined to bless them. In other words, a promised Messiah, blessing eternal life, is coming through this nation Israel. Uh, and so when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, this is in Numbers chapter 24, verse 1. <clears throat> he did not go as other uh, times to seek omens and to set his face toward the wilderness. But Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe, and the Spirit came upon him. Uh, that omens and divination, that word there, omens, divination, it comes from the root nakash, uh, which is uh, a serpent. You remember the serpent in, uh, in uh, Genesis? Uh, the serpent uh, that's going to show up through the whole story. Um, Isaiah 27, uh, Revelation chapter 12. Uh, the dragon, the serpent of old, pursues the woman into the wilderness. When she gives birth, he would devour. So the serpent's all the way through here. He's not seeking the um, satanic source. Uh, but he lifts up his eyes, 
and the spirit of uh, the spirit of God came upon him, and it said uh, he took up his discourse and said the the oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of a man whose eyes are open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God. Remember, uh, in this story, all the way through the story. Um, that uh, you are not to do what's good and right in your own eyes, but what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. This is a um, fallen one, a an unbeliever. Uh, verse, uh, verse 24, falling down, uh, that fallen one. I'm probably giving you more detail than you to know, but that's okay. Um, uh, uh, the fallen ones. Nafal is the, uh, the word there, nafal. Uh, you know, Nephilim. The Nephilim were in the earth in those days and also afterwards. These were... Uh, why has your face fallen, um, Abel or Cain? Remember Cain. Uh, why has your face not fallen? And, and so these are the not fall, the fallen ones, and, and they were on the earth in those days and also afterwards. Okay, uh, and so Balaam is one of these ones. Yet he has had had his eyes open to see what the Lord sees, to hear, to see the word of the Lord, or to see what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord, and to hear the word of the Lord. The oracle of a man whose eyes are open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down yet having his eyes uncovered. How fair are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens beside the river. There's that river again. Like aloes planted by the sea, the cedars beside waters. Water shall flow from his buckets and his seed. Remember, this is the seed. Or you're looking for all the way back from Genesis chapter 3. I will put enmity between you and the woman and your seed and her seed, the Lord says to the serpent. And um, the seed of the woman will come and strike the serpent uh, and be struck. And so, so this whole story is looking for this seed, this one that's going to come and fix the problem, remove the curses, and restore the blessing. This is all at the beginning of the story, but now we're heading towards the end. So uh, water will flow from his buckets. So these, this river of life, this river of flowing water, living water, will come forth from Christ to water the nations. Um, this is all the imagery that's being built throughout the story. Okay? His king, uh, his siege will be by many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. Talking about Israel's king, Jacob's king. God brings him, the king, out of Egypt. He is for him like the thorn, uh, horns of a wild ox. He shall devour the nations who are his adversaries. Um, Revelation 19, the return of Christ. We've talked about that. Revelation chapter uh, 20, the, the release of the serpent, uh, of Satan, and then uh, ultimately uh, banished uh, forever. And he shall crush their bones to pieces. He, he shall shatter them with his arrows. He couches. He lies down like a lion, and like a lion, who dares to rouse him? That is Isaiah, That is Genesis 49, uh, 9. Genesis 49, 9. He couches like a lion, and like a lion, who dares to rouse him? This one will come forth from the tribe of Judah. The scepter shall not depart from him. Looking forward for the cross. Last part of verse 9, chapter 24, Numbers. Blessed is everyone who blesses you. Cursed is everyone who curses you. Talking about the king. Those who align themselves with the king through faith will be blessed. Those who don't will be cursed. What's the curse? 
What's the ultimate person? What's the ultimate blessing? Eternal life, eternal death. So those who have placed their faith in the Christ will be blessed. All the curses will be removed. But all of those people who did not place their faith in Christ uh, will not uh, will not be uh, will not be there. Right. So that was in uh, now back to Revelation chapter twenty one. Remind you uh, that uh, right before chapter twenty two starts, the end of uh, chapter twenty one, <clears throat> the nations will walk by the light of the sun. The, the king, uh, the father, and the, the lamp will be the sun. Uh, the Lamb, that's verse 23 of chapter 21. The nations will walk by its light. In other words, this uh, light equals life. This is the one who gives life. Um, all of the imagery is coming to a culmination. Of uh, there's no sea. There's no domain uh, for serpent anymore. It's the serpent who dwells in the sea. So there's no sea. In other words, there's no, uh, there, there's, there's no Satan's uh, domain. Now, uh, this sounds uh, allegorical or or... Uh, not non-literal, but this is the how the imagery is used throughout the story. Okay, it's it's it's, it's imagery. Um, um, there will be no Satan's domain. Period. Now, does it mean there will be no um, sea? No. Well, let's keep reading and see where this river flows. Okay. Um, the the light the lamp there will be no need for the sun because uh, the uh, God uh, illumined uh, illumines the the world and the lamp uh, the, the lamp is the lamp so God the Father and the Son give life and the, the nations will walk by this light and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it and so no one unclean or no one who does abomination or lying will ever come into it but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life this is you believe, you are blessed, your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you have access to this new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, the great city. So he showed uh, me a river of water, of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and the Lamb. And in the middle of the street, and on the other side of the river, was the tree of life. Remember, um, Adam was kicked out of the garden, banished from the garden, removed from the tree of life, lest he send forth his hand and take and eat forever. Okay, so now the thing has been restored to the Garden of Eden, this garden city, um, and the tree of life is there, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and it's the leaves of the trees were for the healings of the nations, and there was no longer any curse in the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall, shall serve him. They shall see his face. Um, and his name will be on their foreheads. There shall no longer be any night, and there will no longer be any need for the, uh, for the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord shall illumine them, and they shall reign forever and ever. All the way back at the beginning, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. All the way through this story, light equals life. Uh, and so in chapter 1 of Genesis, I guess it was this verse uh, 11, the sun is a bee-like light. It, uh, it is going to uh, give life until the true light gives life. Uh, if we were to shut the sun off, 
uh, it would not go well. Okay. Um, sunlight, photosynthesis, the whole uh, light goes away. Okay. But it is not ultimately the sun, S-U-N, that gives light, but the S-O-N. So you could almost say that there would be no reason for people to have fruit. So. Yeah, um, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, uh, do you remember? It's, uh, well, yes. I'm just thinking out loud here. Uh, the uh, the leaves will not weather. Psalm one. Um, yeah. So in Psalm one, you've got a tree planted by a stream. That ring any bells? Yeah. Uh, and at the end of Psalm one, uh, it talks about the wicked will not stand in the assembly of the righteous. Everything in this story is connecting the beginning, the end. Now, um, well, let's, okay, so let's keep going. Uh, verse 6, and he said to me, these words are faithful and true. Uh, the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am qu coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down at his feet, at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren and, uh, of, uh, uh, and of your brethren, the prophets, and of uh, those who heed the words of this book, worship God. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets. I want you to think about that. Uh, both in Hebrew, uh, Malach, and in uh, Greek, Angelos, uh, angels. Um, angel isn't simply a, so the, the, the angel is not what they are, it's what they do. Okay? Angelos is a messenger. And Angelos is not always referring to these beings, uh, but it can refer to someone who brings a message. Uh, so you get that all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, the messenger of David would be the Malach David, the, the messenger of David. Um, so that one's not an angel because it's a person who's sent from David. Does that make sense? But the angels are the ones who are messengers who bring message from God. What do prophets do? Messages from God. What does John do? Yeah, he's the apostle, right? And so it's the apostles and the prophets and the the angels and uh, and uh, remember Hebrews chapter one, how Hebrews begins. Uh, in uh, former days, God spoke in many portions, in many ways, um, through His uh, prophets. Right. Well, He also spoke through the angels. That's chapter one of Hebrews. But in these last days, He has spoken through His Son. Right. Um, but we haven't heard His Son. We haven't seen Him. We've not touched Him. We've not. Um, um, put our fingers in those holes, so to speak, as Philip uh, or Thomas uh, down in um, So in Second Peter, Peter reminds his readers, because he's about to die, that any time after my death, you may be all be able to call to mind the words of the prophets and the words of our Lord Jesus Christ spoken to you through your apostles. And so the apostles and prophets. Prophets 
prophesied about the Christ who is to come. The apostles speak of their eyewitness of the ones of the one who has come and proclaim it, the words of Christ to the Israel and to the nations. That making sense? Um, so he's saying, "Don't bow down to me, uh, because um, I'm a servant. You're a servant. The prophets are servants." Uh, he said. Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Okay, now, um, let's skip that for just a Well, should we skip it? What's he talking about here? Um, in Daniel chapter 12, okay, this goes all the way back. Do you remember who Daniel was? Daniel was, um, was uh, one of those kids who was hauled off into exile. Uh, when Israel in the Old Testament was disobedient, God sent the Assyrians first, and they came, and they, um, remember the kingdom was divided at this time. Israel was in the north, and, and Judah was in the south, and the Lord sends Assyria, and, uh, and Assyria uh, utterly destroys uh, the northern kingdom and most of the southern kingdom, and they, uh, Sennacherib, the king, is, uh, is king at this time. He surrounded the city of Jerusalem, and Hezekiah, uh, the king of Judah cries out to the Lord and the Lord delivers. And so Assyria, uh, they get somewhat of a state of execution that happened in 701 BC. And then almost 100 years later, 605, here come the Babylonians. And uh, they conquer the city and they haul off Daniel. At, at Jeremiah, the prophet, uh, had uh, told um, uh, Jews, those in Judah or in Jerusalem, uh, that they were going to be banished from the land for 70 years. And this is Jeremiah 29, 1 through 10, right before this wonderful plan in 2911. Okay. It's at the end of those 70 years, now Daniel in exile in Babylon, um, at the end of the Babylonian kingdom, now the Medes and the Persians have come, at the end of the 70 years, he prays to the Lord in Daniel chapter 9. It says he was reading the book of Jeremiah. Uh, prays to the Lord, and the Lord uh, sends this proclamation through the messenger, the angel, uh, that 77s have been decreed for you and for your people. Okay. And remember that that goes back to uh, Leviticus chapter 26, um, blessings and curses, where if Israel judge, if the Lord judges you, Israel, and you don't repent, then he will pour out his judgment upon you sevenfold. Seven times, seven times, seven times. Um, and so that's what's happening. Um, and so now it becomes clear that these kingdoms coming in succession, one after another, will rule over Israel. Um, and now Daniel's not going to make it. He recognizes this. Right? Um, and so now the focus looks towards the future, Daniel chapter 9. Uh, 10, 11, or chapter 12, um, at the end time. And uh, Daniel is told, uh, he asks how long, and he says, enter into your rest, seal up the book, Daniel, for the time is far. The time is far. Um, enter into your rest, and you will rise again in your last day, in the last days for your allotted portion, for your inheritance. So uh, that's where this seal up the book and don't seal up the book comes from. Now, um, Todd's not here this week. You all know Todd is one of our students at the seminary. I told his story this week. 
he was sitting in the class, you probably told him here, he was sitting in the class one day, and I don't remember what class it was, it was one of our classes there at the seminary, and uh, I think he was auditing this class, and he was sitting, you know, kind of back about where you are, David, about right there in the class, and uh, I said something, he goes, oh, Klingler's not smart, he's just reading the Bible. And then he kind of got a red face, you know, embarrassed because he's, I just said that out loud. And I said, no, no, talk to me, Todd. What are you saying? He says, no, I've been in here and you keep saying this stuff. And he said, all of a sudden I realized, no, you're just, you're just reading the Bible. You're just, I said, that's exactly that. It's exactly that, right? Um, if you don't read it, um, if you read the Bible like you read everything else, this would be real simple for you. But we don't. It's not how we read the Bible. I was talking with Charlie Bayless, one of our other professors, and and it's funny if if if, if, if you were listening in on our phone calls, I was talking to him. Katie was trying to tell me the other night it was Friday night late, and we're on the phone and we're we talk all the time and and we're talking about something that's going on in uh, Hebrews relating to Hebrews and uh, and Psalm ninety five and the first generation of uh, the Exodus, the second generation, all this, and. And we're talking, we're just laughing because what we do is, he said, he said, you know, the problem is we just come to the Bible with too much baggage. We've been, we've heard too much, we've been told too much, just garbage or just stuff. You know? I'm reminded of uh, of Ronald Reagan talking about his opponents. Said it's not that they don't know anything; it's that they know so much that just ain't so. <laughs> yeah, that's really it, right? It's we've been told so much stuff that just ain't so. So well, how do you, when you talk, you still come up with things oh, that, that you feel like it's bagging that you're trying to sort Today in church, I, I, I just texted him in church because I, I just, something hit me upside down. I'm like, how are you missing this, dummy? Um, but so what we do is we say, okay, just stop, 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 stop. Because I can't think about the body. It's just, I, I, I got too much stuff systematic theology, uh, infralapsarianism, and election, and Calvinism, predestination, and so we say, okay, stop. Um, let's go over here to a story. And so um, I take, I, I found my books. I have, uh, we, we moved and we had all these boxes. I got all my boxes of 50 books. Um, we had 50 boxes of books. And now they're on my shelves. And Luke was laughing because he was helping me. He like, he muffled something under his breath. I said, what did you say? He nothing. I said, no, no, tell me, what did you say? He says, yeah, student of one book, right? Yeah, right, you know, we have 50 boxes of books. Uh, but I realized I'm missing some of these books, like the most important ones, two in particular. Um, I was supposed to teach a PhD hermeneutics class, and so those books were in that box. But those aren't the ones I was talking about. The two most important books that have formed much of my thinking are written by another PhD, whose name is Dr. Seuss. <laughs> it is Green Eggs and Ham and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Because when I say, okay, I, I, how does story work? Let's just, just stop thinking by it. Just think, how does story work, right? Stories start at the beginning, and they go to the end, and the middle connects the beginning to the end, right? His heart was... Two sizes too small. Nobody know, uh, quite knows why, you know, who's down in Whoville like Christmas a lot. You know, I can quote uh, this story. 
uh, because I know the store. If the Grinch will just mark or Google or not, the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Please don't ask why. No one knows the reason. It might be that his shoes were too tight or his that was too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all was that his heart was two sizes too small. And at the end of the story, his heart grows three sizes that day. You're going, oh, well, I see why. Every detail all the way through the story contributes to the story and moves the story along. Uh, and so, um, so we don't read the Bible the way we read everything else. So it's not that. It's really not it's not complicated, but we have sure made it hard, right? Um, made it very difficult. Don't do that. Okay? Um, one of the hardest things to realize is the Bible was not written by you. So, well, no kidding. Right? You didn't write any of the 66 books, Tom. But when the author says, I, and you think that's a life verse for you, that's what you're doing. Or when Paul says we, it's funny to watch the light bulbs come on with students. If Paul says wait, we, who does that include? They go, they start guessing a bunch of people say, no, no, no. Um, if, if someone says we, it at least includes them, yes? <laughs> and they say y'all, y'all aren't we. Is that fair? And so y'all aren't the we group. If Paul's writing to the Corinthians, the Corinthians are the y'all, and the we are whoever's in Paul's group. Does that make sense? And you're not Corinthians either, are you? So you aren't the we group, and you're not the y'all group. Okay. So it was not written by us. It was not written to us. But it was written for our instruction. Okay. Um, did Dr. Seuss write uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas for a reason? Uh, this is when, when, it's a, when it's a story, the author doesn't just tell you a story. Have you ever told a story in your life? Why? There's a reason why you told a story. Well, yeah, so in other words, you got some, something going on, and somebody said, you know, that reminds me of a time when. And see, and you tell the story, but you don't include everything that happened in the story. You only include those things that are relevant to make the point that you're making by telling the story, right? So this is how narrative, how story works for application. The purpose of telling a story is for application. Does that make sense? Right? It's for who you're telling the story to to find the application. So the um, what's the application of how the Grinch stole Christmas. <clears throat> Don't be the Grinch. Okay. Um, remember at the end of the story? Uh, well, at the beginning of the story, the problem is what? That, um, say, I, this is where I stopped telling students to say, think about what we're doing here. You actually played two grand for this class <laughs> to learn about Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and they just laugh. But no, it's, it's helpful, right? It's helpful to think through how story, how story works. Remember, um, why does he want to steal Christmas? Do you remember? 
Then noise, 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 noise. And he goes and takes all the stuff, and poor little Max has got to drag all the stuff up to Mount Crumpet to dump it. And what does he hear? Singing. And he realizes that he didn't steal Christmas. Christmas came all the same. Came just the same. And then he realized maybe Christmas isn't bought from a store. Maybe just maybe Christmas is a little bit more. So that's when his heart grows three sizes that day. And, and so the story of the Grinch is so that you will examine what you think about Christmas. Right. Now, who was it written to? This is uh, a little Teddy Owens. Right there at the first page. In the dedication. It was to little Teddy Owens. Teddy Owens is who Dr. Seuss wrote this story to. Huh. I don't know who that is. Does it apply to us? Well, it was meant to apply to, to the... Yeah, so it wasn't written to us, it wasn't uh, written for us, but it was written for our instruction. Right? So blessed is anyone who reads this book. Now, who was the, the book of Revelation written to? The seven churches. The seven churches, right? Uh, are we in any of those seven churches? No, we're not. But are we blessed by reading this? Yes, yes. we are. Yes, we are. So if you just read it, <clears throat> And this is our constant struggle. Tell Charlie Bayless, all we're teaching is remedial reading. We're in the remedial reading department of Dallas Seminary, called the Bible department. <laughs> Let's just read it, sound out the big words, and ask why is it here, and how does it contribute, how does it move the story, how does it help us understand what's going on, right? So, same thing, um, that blessed is all. Uh, right, do not steal, seal up this book for the time is near. Chapter 22, verse 11. Let the one who does wrong uh, still do wrong. And let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous do righteousness. And the one who is holy set apart. Keep himself set apart. For behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. <clears throat> How do you understand that? <clears throat> to render to every man according to what is done. What have you done? That uh, is going to uh, render to every man according to what he's done. How did verse 12 and verse 11 go together? I tell students all the time, you're going to be judged by works. Period. Either your works or Christ's works done on your behalf. So are you putting your faith in your works? Or are you putting your faith in Christ's works done on your behalf? And then do your works contribute anything to his works? I got nothing to add. every man according to the works that he's done. And so even at the end of the story, when these believers are rewarded with these crowns, what do they do with them? Cast them at the feet of Christ. What do they realize? Mm -hmm. David, it seems like, well, according to what he has done, that seems like that's what man 
demands works. Uh, sometimes demand works, but it, they say it doesn't because of righteousness. Yeah, the one who is righteousness still it's translated practice. That's not what it says. Um, this is Johannine. Uh, this is this is John literature. Okay, uh, let, uh, no three eleven righteous. Okay, so let me show you this. Uh, let me share the screen here. Turn over in your Bibles to uh, um, uh, where's my Bible? There we go. Uh, to First John chapter three. Uh, we can pick it up in verse 4. Okay, um, let me see if I can. Okay, can everybody see that? Uh, it says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Okay, now what I want to do is I want to, uh, I'll teach you a little Greek. How about that? We get to learn Greek today a little bit. Um, this is uh, all or every. So do you see how it's going to translate there on the bottom for you? All the, that's the definite article, the word the, it's a, this, is a, uh, um, this is a participle, all the doing, you know, remember, participles are the ing words, and the infinitives are the, you know, to dance, to drink, to smoke, to bowl, don't, don't drink, you're not to drink, to dance, to smoke, or to bowl, or chew, or go with those who do, whatever, that's a, that would be infinitives. Uh, in, uh, participles, well, don't go drinking, or bowling, or dancing, or smoking, or Hanging out with those who do. Okay, that's ing words. Okay, uh, the the doing one. Okay, this is the, the 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 definite article singular. The doing one, translate like that, of the definite article sin singular. The sin. What is the sin? All who do the sin. The also and or also the lawless thing, it's not lawlessness, it's a noun. You have to make it into a noun. The lawless thing, he does. And the sin, singular, is the lawless thing. And you know that that one, Christ, appeared in order to arrow, to, to lift up, to take away the sins. And sin in him, there is none. All who in him abide, no sin. All who sin have not seen him and do not know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. And here it is. The doing one, remember the participle, the doing one of the righteous thing, it's a noun, uh, is righteous. What's the righteous thing, singular, that you do that makes you righteous? Faith, believe. Uh, just as that one is righteous. So through faith, you are righteous because he is righteous, just as he is righteous, right? 
the doing one of the sin. So what would the sin be? Not believing is from the devil. Okay. Um, because uh, from the beginning, the devil is sin. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, look over to uh, John chapter, Gospel of John chapter 3. So one of the things that you have to uh, remember, you know 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not ascend uh, the Son into the world to judge the world, but, the, but that the world would be saved through him. The believing one, a participle again, the one who is believing in him is not judged. Why not? Because he's been declared righteous. Just as he is righteous. Okay? Um, verse, verse 18, let me keep this up here so you uh, He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment. Verse 19. That the light came into the world. Who's the light? Christ, the light that gives life to every man, no longer need for sun, no longer need for the lamp. Um, but men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who hates the light, hates Christ, does not come to the light, Christ, for fear that his deeds would be exposed. So you're going to be judged by your works, your deeds, or your faith. You're going to be righteous, okay? So uh, through faith, you are righteous through faith, okay? So when he says, let the one who does wrong, who does evil deeds, continue to do the evil deeds. The one who's filthy, be filthy. He's not been cleansed. The one who is righteous, do righteous. Do the righteous thing. Continue to do the righteous thing. Let the one who is set apart, keep himself set apart. I'm coming quick. Does that make sense? So you're judged by faith, or you're judged by your lack of faith. You're judged by your deeds, or your, uh, or, your, or in that they find you not righteous, or you're declared righteous and judged by those works of Christ done to take away your sin as present. No, uh, uh, by what he's done, you believed or unbelieved, and if you're unbelieved, Unbelieving, then you're going to be judged by your deeds. I'm not speaking into the mic. I don't know what. Uh, can Can they hear me at all? We can hear you now. You hear me now. Um, we need to get a new phone connection. Can you hear me now? We can hear you fine. Okay. We can hear you fine. Okay, good. Okay. Um, yeah, this is the problem that we have, um, is that um, you think you can help Jesus. 
Lord Jesus needs your help. Um, it's a recognition of what Christ has done for you. And through faith, you are into his body. You've been baptized through one spirit into one body, the body of Christ. And so now it's our recognition that we are in the body of Christ. We've been given mercy. And so how do we respond? You've been loved, so you love. It's all in response to what he's done on your behalf. You don't add anything to your salvation. And let me say this, and you can't take anything away from it. Um, I think that's just as powerful as recognizing you, you can't add anything to it. Um, I think that some believers are so weighed down by, by guilt and by their sin. And when you do that, what you are believing Listen to me, is that Christ's blood was not sufficient. To cover your sin. That what you think? That's blasphemous. That is not understanding the magnitude and the power of the blood of Christ. This isn't licensed sin. It's just, look, you're not shocking anybody that you're a sinner. You're not. We all know it. <laughs> right? So, when does that stop? Well, it stops when you're made anew. So, do you need mercy every day? Yes. Is Christ's blood sufficient every day? Yes. Um, if you wrong your brother, um, go. Confess your sins. But let it go. Let it go. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Blessed are those who uh, wash their robes. That That's Johann, that's, that's number back chapter 2, chapter 3, those who uh, their robes are, are, being, are made white. Uh, through their faith, uh, they have rights to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the immoral persons, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who, lo uh, uh, who loves and practices lying. In other words, they're, they've been banished. They, they're, not, they're not allowed in the, in the city, uh, in the New Jerusalem. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you uh, these things for the churches. Uh, I am the root, the seed of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, 
God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away the words of this prophecy, God shall take away his part of the tree of life from the holy city, which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Uh, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The Lord of uh, the grace of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So, um, making sense? Tracking? Um, so, um, I was talking to our students this, this weekend, and um, uh, we were talking about how, you know, when you, you go and you watch a movie, and then you go back and watch the movie again, and then you see it again, and, you know, if you've seen a movie like five or six or seven, eight times, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean or Tombstone, which I've seen. Uh, yeah, uh, every time it comes on, I'm just going to stop and watch it. You ever notice that every time you watch it, you see you see more stuff that you didn't recognize? It, that that little thing that was in that scene there shows up later on, right? Well, this is how it works. Every time you read a story, every time you read the Bible, uh, it's all there intentionally, um, and you'll recognize that it's there intentionally. Okay. Um, all right, so um, I maybe shouldn't do this, but why not? Um, so, uh, so this morning, um, so uh, this semester, this is the great thing about getting to teach at the seminary. Uh, I get to teach every book of the Bible at least once every year. It looks like in the spring I'm going to teach every book of the Bible in one semester, except for the Gospels. Right? So I'm going to be busy. Um, Maybe I should teach the Gospels. If I get a homebrew, I'll put the Gospels there just so I can teach them all. Um, but when you're teaching all these books, you recognize places where you're going, you know, that, that doesn't sound right. Um, in Acts chapter 9, in Paul's conversion that Luke gives, the account of what Paul did after his conversion seems to contradict with Galatians chapter 1 and what Paul says he did after his conversion in the book of Galatians. Okay, Are you with me? Um, in Acts, it seems that Paul stayed in Jerusalem and um, was in Damascus and stayed in Jerusalem. In Galatians, and this is what I sent to Babels, um, but in Galatians, it says he went away to Arabia for three years. Think, well, that's a contradiction. Seems to be a contradiction, right? Um, in our men's study in the morning, uh, Tuesday mornings, we're going through the book of um, Galatians, and I've taught Galatians. In fact, every time I teach one of our uh, classes in Acts, Paul, and Epistles, I make the students write a paper in Galatians because, for the most part, they can you can work through it every verse. Okay? And so I thought, well, I can explain the reverse in it. Well, I saw this this morning. Um, he went away to Arabia. Was it chapter 1? Was it like verse 20, something, 21, 22, 23, something like that. In chapter 4, he tells of this allegory, allegorically speaking, um, that, uh, that Jerusalem of in his day and Jerusalem of above are two covenants, right? One is Hagar, uh, 
which, uh, which corresponds to Mount Sinai, Arabia. This is present-day Jerusalem, he says. And the other corresponds to Sarah and the Jerusalem that is above. You see what I'm getting at? In other words, in chapter 4, he calls Jerusalem Arabia. Mount Sinai, Arabia, Hagar, the Jews are still trying to be sanctified through or, or saved through the law rather than through faith. Um, is he, in saying Arabia in chapter 2, setting them up for his discussion of Arabia in chapter 4, and so he doesn't actually mean Arabia, but he means Jerusalem. Arabia. Now, Acts and Galatians are saying the same thing. But you have to ask, why is Paul saying this? Now, it's possible that it's just, you know, Arabia or whatever, but does that make sense? Okay. These are the type of things that, as you, that Mike's like, I got nothing. It makes no sense. Um, uh, yeah, spirit, yeah, it's a spirit and flesh argument. Spirit by faith, uh, flesh is works of the law. Uh, the works of the law justified in the flesh. Um, and so Jerusalem, the Jews, the non-believing Jews, are still trying to be justified in the flesh. Uh, they're, still, they're still slaves. Uh, they were, in the, you know, before the faith came, this is a little bit of Galatians, and we're not studying Galatians. So if you're familiar with Galatians, this may help you, but if not, before faith came, uh, the child, the, the heir and the slave, the Jew and the Gentile were all the same. They were both held in the custody. There was no difference. Um, and he's arguing that the Jews are still enslaved by the law. Right? So if that doesn't make any sense, that's okay. Just let it pass by. Um, uh, my point is simply that, uh, and, I, and we were talking about this uh, the other day, you never stop learning. You never stop reading. And those verses that you're going, I don't know what that's doing. You just have to continue to force yourself to read it in context. You don't get to make it make uh, say whatever you want it to say. Just try to figure out what's he saying? Why is he saying that? Why am I not seeing that? And the more you know the, the story, the parts of the story, this is why it's so great to get to teach all the different parts. The more that you see each part of the story, you're going, he says the same thing over there. Right? He says the same thing over there. He says the same thing over there. And uh, and it starts to make a whole lot more sense to you. So, keep reading your Bible. Um, um, remember uh, that we read it, then we apply it. We don't not read it, find verses we like that we think apply, have no idea of the context, underline it, and make it into a refrigerator sticker. Okay? Do the same thing with theology, right? So read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Um, if I uh, if I can encourage you to do one thing, um, let it play in your car when you're driving. Uh, get rid of the chapter breaks. Get rid of the the verses, and just let. Uh, let the story be told to you and hear it. You'll start 
to realize, like watching that movie over and over and over, wait, he just said that, he's, he, he said the same thing back there. He said the same thing here. Why is he doing that? You're going to start to connect with God. What questions do you have? Anything come up? Okay, let's, uh, so what I want to uh, do um, for our last few minutes together is introduce um, what we've been talking about Revelation. Um, we've been talking about, uh, you know, things like uh, the tribulation, um, the rapture, the millennial kingdom, um, church age, all of these kind of nomenclature terminology. Um, and there is not agreement on any of these things. Okay, why not? So uh, I want to take maybe a week next week, or, or I guess we can do that next week, uh, or the next couple weeks, and tell you why the differences, um, and talk about the different views. So if you grew up in a Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Lutheran, um, what else, uh, background, you, you probably either weren't taught Revelation, or it was very general terms like the, the you know, good will win against evil or something like that. Um, uh, and they have a very different view of how the end times are going to happen because they have a different view of Israel the function of the story of Israel, okay? So we'll talk about that. Um, talk about the, the, I'll present next week, remind me, okay, uh, I'll need that grease for uh, uh, um, the, the different views or understandings of um, all of these, the, the, the tribulation, nobody believes there's not a tribulation. It's how do they define it? Nobody believes there is not a kingdom. The question is, how do they define it? Uh, no one believes there's not a rapture. Uh, they just, uh, when do they think it's going to happen? Uh, and everybody believes that there's a new heavens and a new world. Okay. So um, I think everybody comes to agreement at the end. The question is, how do they get there and why the difference in the agreement? Uh, uh, you know, so some are going to, you've got these labels and maybe you've heard some of them covenant theologian, or amillennialist, or uh, pre-millennialist, uh, pre or um, pre-trib, you know, more detailed pre-trib rapture, mid-trib rapture, post-trib rapture, and all this debate. And all this. Okay, we'll talk about it. And we'll talk about why people believe this, um, what verses are they using to support it, and how should we treat it. Okay. So part of it's how they're coming to the text, and then how they're putting these things together. Okay, so that's what we'll do uh, next week. Did he, did he not go to Arabia? Did Paul <laughs> go to Arabia, or did he not go to Arabia? <laughs> I don't know. Well, why did you bring it up? <laughs> because, um, because, um, oh, I just wanted to um, not confuse you. Uh, none of us have arrived. None of us know the scriptures. I would say if, you know, you think, well, what percentage of the scriptures do you know? More than I used to. 
Um, I teach every book. I, I feel like I should know more than I used to. Um, I don't know. 5% maybe? Maybe? I don't know. You can spend your whole life. Uh, your whole life. Your whole life. Yeah, I've spent 20 years teaching at the seminary. What percent do I? I don't know. Um, now, um, I think we all know uh, Paul, Center, Christ, Salvation. He's coming back. All right, you got that? You got the solid stuff. Um, how does each of this part fit in? We're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. Um, I, I say that uh, there are people who love to point out contradictions in the Bible. Okay. I'm saying, well, I, I found that there aren't any. And as I was, uh, as Tim was uh, reading that today, and I was looking at Luke, you know, he meant, meant, mentioned, anyway, man, something's not making sense there all of a sudden. And so I don't think, I, I think that he actually didn't go to Arabia. My, my suspicion is that in Galatians, when he talks about Arabia in chapter 2, He's talking about the same thing he's talking about in chapter four, and he's calling um, is uh, he's calling Jerusalem, present day Jerusalem, Mount Sinai, Arabia, Hagar, slaves. Because Acts he says he went around in Jerusalem, and the disciples, the apostles, wouldn't see Paul because they feared him, and in Galatians. Um, he says he didn't go up and immediately consult with them. Doesn't say why. He says he didn't. Not until later. Uh, so by Acts chapter 15, now he's out preaching the gospel. Um, those who had come from Jerusalem saying that that uh, a man, uh, a Gentile who is saved must be circumcised to keep the law. And some of the Pharisees who were believers were saying these things. Um, then he goes back to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles. I want to research that report back to you. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> he, he, he judged them before he knew them. And it felt like if they were like Israel. Well, I think that they were afraid of him because he was killing all the believers, including oh. Stephen. Remember, Stephen was there and. Yeah, he, he was held the coat when they killed Stephen, so I don't know that I'd trust him either. <laughs> uh, this might be just a fake out so he can get us and kill us. You know? Anyway. May, may well be. Yeah, may well be. We don't get a whole lot of behind the scenes. All we have is the scriptures. That's all we can read. So. All that to say, all of us are still studying. Keep reading. Keep reading your Bible. Let it play. Listen to it. Uh, if you're going to read a book, I know some of these are long books, but set aside time to read the whole thing at once. It'll make a lot more sense to you. If you read all of Ephesians at once, all of Galatians at once, all of, you know, Jude, that's an easy one, right? You know, two verses, you know, those don't count. But, uh, but read it all at once. That's what they did. Um, that's what we should do. But let me close the word of prayer, and we're done. Lord, thanks uh, for our time today and for 
Tim and for his sermon, and uh, Lord, for our desire to know your word, the opportunity to get to study it, and to uh, uh, and then allow our hearts and lives to be changed because of it. So we thank you uh, for all of that work of the Spirit that happens in the midst of the body of the church. Lord, as we go, pray that uh, you would guard us and keep us and bring us back safely uh, next week in Christ. Amen. Next week, 1045 at the ranch. And we'll send you out. If you're not uh, on Rome.